On today's show, we talk about Connor Bedard's injury, Jesper Volstead being called up, and a lot more on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we read down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hadi Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's show, we'll be talking about Connor Bedard's injury. Um, he suffered a jaw injury. We'll talk about that, how that fares for his season, how he's going to miss the All-Star game. And a couple more things. Um, and then we'll talk in our second segment about some Minnesota Wilds prospects. First and foremost, Jesper Volstead, the goaltender, finally getting a call up. Uh, we'll talk about his performances in the AHL, what to expect from him in the NHL. Um, and what we do with that moving forward. We'll also talk about Marco Rossi doing really, really well um, over in Minnesota. Uh, and then in our final segment, we'll talk about the San Jose Sharks. Um, the Sharks are on, I think, a, an 11 regulation win-loss streak, which is not ideal. So we'll give them something to hope, hope for. Um, we'll talk about who San Jose should pick, especially if they don't pick first overall. I think it's really obvious who's getting picked at first. But outside of that, we'll talk about the the opportunities that open up. Uh, before I get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform make sure to make us your first listen of the day so let's get things started here with Connor Bedard unfortunately suffering a jaw um a jaw fracture I believe uh which should keep him out for a considerable amount of time you know with jaw injuries usually it's you know a couple weeks of being out then you come back with a, a cage I would not be surprised at all to see Connor Bedard in that that particular situation in Chicago but it's not only Connor Bedard Nick Foligno broke his finger after after that, defending Connor Bedard after that hit. Um, so big blow to Chicago, but um, you know a, a really good thing when you've got a tank going on to lose your your best forward by far, right? I mean, I think that Rem Pitlick is gonna at least replace oh, yeah. Connor Bedard. Gonna impact, light it up. Um, the seventh round <laughs> draft pick acquisition, um, who honestly was pretty good in Montreal for for a solid year, but. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a blow to Chicago in terms of their uh, likelihood of winning games now in the near future. Definitely yeah. a, a blow to, to hockey fans overall that he's not going to be available at the All-Star game. Or like, especially considering that it's the format where every player is being drafted into their teams again, which is pretty fun and entertaining. It would have been nice for fans to see Bedard in that, in that setting. But yeah, there's always going to be hurdles, I think, especially for an 18-year-old adapting to NHL hockey. Injuries are going to happen. Um, yeah. Like I remember talking early on this season about like point projections for Bedard, and it was always with an asterisk of like, he's likely going to miss 20-ish games to injury with something just because he still needs to learn how to protect himself at the NHL level, at the NHL pace, know where the line is. I mean, that that takes some some uh, trial and error. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, it was a really big hit. Uh, didn't wasn't a bad hit, uh, but but uh, definitely caught caused some damage there. But uh, no, I mean, 
Bedard's going to be just fine. I'm not I'm not concerned about this uh, changing anything developmentally or in terms of his projection. Uh, he He's going to be very good when he's back on the ice. He's been by far Chicago's best player in every single game that I've caught so far this season, yep. which is unsurprising, but uh, still a testament to just how skilled he is. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely a massive hit, and jaw injuries are always uh, not very fun. Like, even if they're not 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 the the hardest ones to recover from, it, it makes it they difficult suck. to even like eat food for a couple yeah. weeks, right? Like, yeah, it's not a fun I'm sure. Time. I'm sure Bedar's not going to like eating through a straw for the next couple yeah. of weeks. That's not going to be fun. But you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to have an injury in your rookie season, I think a jaw injury is about as unimpactful as it gets in terms of your overall play, in terms of yeah. what it does for your career. Like you know, unfortunately, Adam Yurchek in his draft year. Um, just suffering. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a triple triad of just ACL, MCL, meniscus. We don't know the details bad. yet, and we probably won't get him. Really bad. But the way his leg bent on that, I would not be shocked at all. That no. was just it was awful. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, in, in terms of injuries, I'm I'm glad to see that Bedard is, you know, hasn't been really overwhelmed with big hits and being, you know, you know, lit up for you know in center ice or anything like that. Yeah. It's really just been you know, this this had being the exception. I think just overall, Bedard's been handling himself very well in the NHL, not just in terms of his play, because obviously we know how skilled he is, but also just knowing how to adapt, knowing how yeah. to to avoid those scenarios and continue to be impactful on, on a shift-by-shift basis for his team. So, yeah, o- overall, you know, I'm not too worried for Bedard's projections in terms of his overall career. It's a jaw injury. He'll get past it. But what I'm thinking is, you know, this will obviously impact his rookie campaign, you know, depending yeah. on how Hopefully he gets back. You know, there's a lot of players doing really well right now. Adam Fantilli's heating up. Marco Rossi, who we'll talk about in just a second, doing really, really well in Minnesota as well. Um, and Brock Faber just coming out of nowhere and doing so, so good. Luke Hughes is playing 20 minutes a night, is on pace for like 45 points this season. Like, there are a lot of contenders for this Calder. Um, but I think. And surprisingly, Logan Cooley isn't one of them. Yeah. It's it's a shocker because honestly, you know, watching him in the NCAA, he had added so much to his game that I really thought he was going to hit the NHL running. Um, but yeah, it's just been a bit dry on his end, especially lately. He started off pretty good, almost a point a game, and it's kind of tapered off since then. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll need to watch a bit more of of Arizona, um, and and kind of try to break that down, see what's going on on that side. But overall, like. Like like you said, it's 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 not going to be fun for Bedard, but he shouldn't be out for long. I, but that begs a bigger question. I feel like rookies should probably be wearing cages in the first year in the NHL. This is a precaution. I know I know players- cages are are such important measures of protection. Like especially when you're yeah. a literal eighteen year old kid coming into the league, mm-hmm. there are far worse ideas than than making those mandatory for like U twenty players maybe yeah. in the NHL just because like. As you mentioned, like Bedard has not been making himself vulnerable to hits at all. Like he, he is, he, his scanning habits are excellent. He gets himself into positions where he's very unlikely to get injured, and he still got lit up by a clean but really, really big hit in open ice that that led to this injury. So yeah, yeah. I think I think mandatory cages isn't isn't the worst idea, but uh, I think the, the the first focus in terms of uh, of equipment at the NHL level is the neck guard. Oh but, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, that's an one easy battle one. At a time. We'll work our way towards the cages. Yeah. That's for sure. And yeah, I mean, obviously, this is not something a lot of players are are, are you know, this is not a popular opinion. Like even at no. the World Juniors the under 18 players that go there it's highly contended whether or not they should be wearing the cage etc but like 
Michael Celebrini sure. was Canada's best player and he wore a cage the whole time. Connor Bedard, same thing. I, I, yeah. I don't think it really hinders the player's abilities and it, it adds a layer of safety, like it, you said. So it's annoying, but it's a safety measure that uh, can m- maybe not like save lives all the time, but yeah. at the very least protect from more serious injuries that yeah. I mean, in a, in a sport as, as, as dangerous and high paced and on knife shoes like hockey isn't a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the all-star game, I thought it, uh, you know, I was looking forward to it because I really hope Bedard would pull it kind of Alex Ovechkin, like, please pick me last. I want the Honda type thing. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. You know, it, it'd be great to start off his career in uh, in, in Chicago with a brand new uh, sparkling car. That would have been great, but it is what it is. Uh, but that wraps things up for our first segment about Connor Bedard and uh, the breakdown of um, his injury and what to expect from him this season. Again, wouldn't be surprised if he's back within two weeks. Uh, but you can never be too careful with these injuries. Now, we're going to get into a couple of Minnesota Wild prospects. First and foremost, Jesper Valstead finally gets a call up, uh, the goaltender, uh, one of the best goaltender prospects in the world. And uh, we'll t- also talk about Marco Rossi, who's doing very, very good at five on five. We'll get into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, whether you want to use like it, it for same-game parlays or over-and-unders or spreads. The choice really is yours. I myself am partial to, to same-game parlays as they can make, especially a game when you're going there live, whether it be for football or hockey or whichever sport you follow, can really heighten the excitement and get you closer to the action. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about a couple Minnesota Wild prospects. First and foremost, Jesper Valstead finally getting the call up uh, from Iowa uh, with a couple recent games that, you know, honestly, I'm I'm very surprised by this. Uh, He was playing fantastic, was top in the AHL for save percentage up until early December. Um, And then he plays four very poor games. Um, He allowed six goals on 22 shots. Uh, on December 20th against Milwaukee. Um, he had a sub-900 save percentage in the other three games as well. Somehow that gets him a call-up. Uh, but, you know, we won't complain. We like to see Jesper Valset in the NHL. That's what we've been rooting for for this whole time. The 21-year-old goaltender finally gets his chance in the NHL. I'm so excited to see him. I, I believe this next game from Minnesota, it's it's um, it's already confirmed Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be starting that one. But after that, it opens up a bit. There's a couple of back-to-backs. You never know. Um, yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see Valset at this level. But yeah, um, he's save percentage has dropped to a 917. Um, you know, despite those four uh, games in which he struggled, he's got a 2.54 goals against average as well in 20 games with Iowa. Um, and like I said, the call up is going to be very interesting, gives him an opportunity to prove himself. Um, overall, Jesper Wallstead has been one of my favorite prospects from the start. And I think we've had a long, lengthy discussions about Wallstead. I had him like in my top four in his draft year. I think he had him there as well. Like we're big Three. fans, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a third overall. Uh, I think we've both been massive fans of him for a long time, but yeah. Yeah. I mean like Philip Gustafson in, in injury, like has now freed open that, 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 that backup goalie slot in, uh, in Minnesota for him for the, the short term at the very least. And yeah. we'll see how he does. I mean, like Minnesota's goaltending has been a bit erratic this season so far. So uh, that, that door may open up for a more permanent basis if he really, really impresses, but I'm very excited to see how he's like fares at the NHL level because like we've been watching him for what like three three solid years now uh like since since his draft year even four going back to his D minus one and yep. uh, he's finally going to get some NHL action and it's going to be very exciting because his his composure his reflexes his mobility and size he is so athletic but calm and. Uh, quite methodical in his approach to goaltending stylistically not too like different to like carry price in terms of style not trying yeah. to make that that overused comparable in terms of a uh, projection but yeah. uh, I think that that should help his ad- adaptation to the NHL level especially after already having a full year and a half of AHL experience under his belt now. So hopefully it's a pretty smooth transition, but I'm, I'm excited to, to see how this new generation of high end goalie prospects kind of fare in the NHL. Cause we're already seeing Devin Levi play some pretty decent hockey for Buffalo, especially over the last month or so. Dustin Wolf has struggled a bit at the NHL level, but is still playing some excellent AHL hockey. And the same can be said for Yaroslav Askarov. So you're seeing some high end goalie prospects start, to shove their way into the NHL now and it's making the goalie scene all the more exciting. Oh, for sure. The the next generation of goalies is here. I think that batch is going to be the the four or five guys that really, I mean, just make it really interesting on a nightly basis. Um, Devin Levi, especially. Jesper said especially. I've had a couple more questions about Askarov. It's been a bit more inconsistent, but yeah. he's putting up good numbers. He's he's kind of plying a straight in the AHL, waiting for his opportunity to kind of shine. So I, I think and that's he's inevitable. entertaining as anything. Oh yeah, he's he's <laughs> the, the most interesting. He's the most entertaining of the bunch. Him and Pyotr Krachetkov are the oh, two most yeah. entertaining goaltenders. Like it, you know, I, I've heard it a lot. I've heard people say a lot that goalies are cats. Um, Krachetkov and Askarov are the orange cats of 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 goalies. Like they're just the orange tabbies. Yeah, yeah. Like just no half half of the time they're just doing something you'd never expect them to do, and just like they'll be on top of a cabinet or something and just like what's going on here uh but yeah those two are fantastic i i think they're amazing and the more entertaining a goaltender is the the better it is for the nhl we need we need more entertainment more more action um i love that play with kachetkov where he he threw a hit behind the net and he's like what are you doing here man (laughs) i i I really it's it's just so enjoyable to see like goalies you know express character like especially when Kachekov went out on on Brady Kachuk on that shootout, and him and Kachuk got in each other's faces and started yapping because Kachuk thought that Kachetkov had, had tripped him and whatever. And it's just like, I love that. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I think Volstead, you know, he's definitely not that. Like that's not Jesper Volstead at all. He's a very calm, very composed uh, goaltender in that. And I see the Carey Price comparisons. Like they're fully valid. Um, the technical ability, the fluidity, the the way he just makes every save seem so easy, and and the way he also prevents himself from having to overexert by consistently deflecting pucks into corners and into areas where his teammates can pick him up. Uh, I think that's a really apt comparison. Um, outside of Volstead, though, there's a lot going on in Minnesota, rookies wise and prospects wise. We've got Marco Rossi who's been lighting it up recently. Take it away. 
Oh my God. It's so, so nice to be talking about Marco Rossi again uh, in yeah. such an excited uh, setting uh, rather than a somber one, like uh, just a, a tremendous comeback story for him from yeah. like <laughs> the absolute brink with like the worst COVID ever um, uh, like, right after he was drafted. And mm. now he's fought his way back, not only into an NHL lineup, but onto a top line with Kirill Kaprizov, and things are starting to click in Minnesota like they haven't been for the last little bit. And uh, I think a lot of that's been due to to that 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 duo like really clicking yeah. and working out so well. Of course, like Brock Faber is playing like forty five minutes every night, which also helps. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, the fact that we're having a whole segment here on Minnesota rookies and we're barely going to even mention their their caller candidate in Brock Faber is uh, is fun. But. Yeah, like Marco Rossi has just been superb and he's doubled down on his style of play. What he's always done so well is what he's doing very, very well right now. And that's what you want from him. It is the intensity. It is the high-end hockey IQ. He always knows where he's most valuable on the ice, where he should be, where he can make an impact, create advantages. And he is always open when his teammates need an outlet in transition. He's always buzzing around the slot in the offensive zone. And he's always dropping back deep into the defensive zone to, to apply pressure on, on the cycle and to support his defenseman. Like he is, he's an, a true all rounder and yeah. he's really starting to come into his own. Like, he has 24 points in like what 36 games so far this season, which is good, but not perhaps like overwhelming. What is overwhelming is just how much of that production's come at even strength. Uh, he is sitting at third in the league in uh, in points per 60 at even at, at five on five, uh, just behind uh, two, two nobodies uh, by the names of uh, let me check real quick William Nylander and Leon Drysital, uh, which is not not too shabby. Uh, he's ahead of everyone else, uh, including the McDavid's, the McKinnon's, the Matthews of the world. And uh, yeah, that, that is good. Obviously, per 60 production comes with a grain of salt. He hasn't been seeing as much ice time. There's definitely been some ice time there against lower qualities of competition. And it's only even strength. It, it, doesn't, it erases power play value. But it is still really, really impressive as to what he's been able to achieve. And that five on five value is exactly what he was bringing at the junior level that made him such a special talent in that 2020 uh, NHL draft class. So the fact that he's been able to leverage the exact same toolkit, the exact same like character and work ethic strengths to his NHL game with to such a great effect is so heartwarming to see. A hundred percent. I think we were all rooting for Marco Rossi to make it work and boy, is he ever, it's really impressive to see him go about it. Um, overall, I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the caveats of even strength points per 60, but at the same time, where are the other rookies? Right. I yeah. mean, it's just, you know, he he's there. They're not. It's it's really yeah. that simple. Uh, Marco Rossi is, he's always been a monster at five on five. Um, even, you know, thinking back to his draft year, the footage I watched of him, the, the games I watched and, you know, the, the, the overall package that I saw in, in, in Marco Rossi was really just a five on five monster. He was able to produce on the power play and he was, especially when, you know, he had Jack Quinn to pass to regularly. But at the same time, like we're talking about a player who excels in open ice situations, excels when it comes to working the boards hard, getting pucks to the middle, all the little details in Marco Rossi's game were things I gradually learned to fall in love with when I'm scouting prospects, you know, Board board to middle is is exactly what you need from a player at, at that age. If they get it at that age, they don't need to learn it later. If they don't get it at that age, they need to learn it. And that's an extra step of development that you, you have to go through with a prospect like that. Whereas with Rossi, 
he wasn't just he didn't just understand how to take board the pucks from the boards to the middle, but he did it excellently night in and night out. Um, that's also what made me love Zach Benson. Uh, and what made me, you know, rank him as as high as fourth, fifth overall in his in his draft year, um, alongside the likes of Leo Carlson, is because he does that specific thing so well. Um, so yeah, size be damned. Um, Marco Rossi is excellent, and yeah, I'm really really excited to see him kind of develop into a top six forward long term for uh, Minnesota. But that wraps things up for this second segment about the Minnesota Wilds prospects. Now we're gonna get into a third segment where we break down. A bit of kind of hope at the horizon for San Jose, who have been struggling really, really hard at the NHL level. We'll get into who the San Jose Sharks should pick after these messages from our sponsors over at Jace Medical. If you need to, to meet your medical needs and don't want to wait and struggle with supply changes issues and a lot more issues that can get in the way of you getting your medication on time, Jace, Medi- Jace Medical has you covered. Jace Medical is as easy as one, two, three, right on time. Uh, All you really need to do is just go online, fill out a form, sometimes talk to one of their licensed specialists, and before you know it, you've got a Jace case in the mail heading your way. The Jace case is a case of five life-saving antibiotics, which you can take with you anywhere. If you're someone who likes to travel uh, and someone who who gets sick on the road a lot, it's really important to stay ahead of these things and take care of your health. Um, So if a comprehensive solution is what you're looking for in order to um, stay on top of things medically and take care of you and your loved ones, then Jace Medical has you covered. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Check it out. Alrighty, so anything's off with our final segment here. We'll talk about the San Jose Sharks for a second. Unfortunately, the San Jose Sharks are back to a losing streak. 11 regulation losses in a row. It's not going well in San Jose. Um, so let's just give you guys a bit of hope. Uh, let's talk about the 2024 NHL draft and who we think would be the best match for San Jose. I mean, obviously, they're last in the NHL right now. You know, if they get the first overall pick, there's no doubt about it. It's Macklin Celebrini, the best player in the 2024 NHL draft. But... The lottery being what it is, you've got, what, a 21.5% chance of getting that first overall pick? It's not much. So let's talk about the other options, because after one, it opens up pretty decently. Um, Looking at the needs of this team, of the San Jose Sharks, in their prospect pool, in terms of the players they're going to have probably in the next five or six years in their prime, William Eklund, Quentin Musty, Thomas Bortolo, Daniil Gushchin, you know, there are a decent amount of prospects, Casper Cas- Halton, and like there's a lot of prospects at forwards. So I think we kind of, we can take a look at the forwards in a second, but I want to focus on the defensemen that are going to be available in the kind of two to four, two to five range um, and, and kind of see who would be a realistic fit for San Jose. Because on defense, I really like Luca Cagnoni. I really like Matias Havilid. Outside of that, it gets a bit thin. So what are your thoughts in terms of the 2024 NHL drafts defensemen who the San Jose Sharks could be targeting at the 2024 NHL draft with a two to four pick. I mean, the, the Sharks are in luck. Uh, they would not have to like reach into like a lower tier of the draft if they decide to pick a defenseman. Uh, yeah. Like there are multiple really solid options that would like be fully deserving of a top three, top four selection. So while like we are kind of framing this as like a need and drafting for need, 
it is because it is such a tight draft class and like the drop off after one is significant and then there's a whole glut of players that are really in contention including multiple defensemen there's a real like luxury of choice here i think like one of the big obvious names here would be sam dickinson if the sharks want to add a defenseman to build around as a foundational piece he would be an attractive one quite a traditional like NHL GM's favorite type of prospect, really big, really strong defensively, incredibly intelligent in the defensive zone, really, really efficient in, in, in how he approaches the game. And he's been unlocking some offensive tools as the year has progressed. And if you go back a year and a half, it was a very different Sam Dickinson, an all-out defensive Sam Dickinson, whereas now you see him as a two-way four of the OHL. So He'd be one really intriguing name, uh, even though the, perhaps like like the raw upside isn't as high with Dickinson as it is with some other contenders in here. Like they could be going for a more diminutive defenseman, for instance, like Zane Parekh or Zeev Bouyam are kind of in the mix here, who I like a lot, uh, both both as a, like one left shot, one right shot. And uh, the other one would be Artyom Levshunov. So what, what would you think of those three defensemen apart from Dickinson and how they might be contenders as like, especially if San Jose is picking like fourth overall rather than top three, how yeah. would you feel about that? Right now, I think Zeev Bouillam and Zane Parekh have split from the pack um, of defensemen kind of outside of Sam Dickinson. Um, and, you know, even can be considered in contention with Dickinson in terms of overall kind of skill and, and upside. Sure. I just think Dickinson is obviously the better fit. But of those guys, I would go for Zeev Bouillam. First and foremost is because I really believe in Matthias Havillet and Luca Cagnoni on the right side. Um you know, I, I think they're going to be really, really good defensemen at the at the NHL level. Um, you know, in terms of what you know, Bouillon brings. We saw it at the, at the World Juniors, especially. This is a player who, throughout the season in the SAAA with Denver, was really focusing on offense. He was pushing, you know, for more of an offensive role. Um, he was cheating on offense and going all out in that element so that he can, you know, fine tune it, add some elements through exploration to his offensive game that would make make him a really, really complete offensive player he has a skill set for it fantastic hands great skating um he can get around the ice very well four-way mobility is really solid um his shot is decent as well he can he can surprise goaltenders with that as well um and we saw it in the gold medal game he scored the insurance goal uh for for team usa with a blast uh from from the top of the right dot um but overall i mean the defensive game has really been impressive um you know he, he's not the best at entry prevention but he can still he can still mirror footwork, and once he's in the defensive zone, he's really good at identifying his his check and sticking to them really effectively. Jumping into scrums with the right timing to get off to get off the boards with the puck. There are a lot of really interesting details in Bouillon's game that I like. With Perec, um, I, I think you're getting a similar player to Matthias Havlid with more skill, but also more limitations defensively. Um, and you know, with a player like that, there's always that risk, especially if you have other pieces in your system that could, that could give your coach more trust than him. So, you know, if Havilid and, and Parekh make the NHL at the same time, I would not be surprised to see NHL coaches favor Havilid over, over Parekh consistently when it comes to more ice time. And that limits Parekh's upside. Whereas if you take Parekh and put him in a system that is built for him and put him on a team that needs him, then at that point, the, the sky's the limit. 
it's just a matter of usage and how much you know you have other pieces to rely on because once you give Parekh a lot of ice time in the NHL and allow him to adapt and play against top competition, you're going to quickly see what the hype is about with Parekh. He is an insane offensive creator. So yeah, that's my take on the two. I think Bouillon is a better fit mainly because he can be paired with Havilid and that would be a really, really interesting mobile pair of defensemen. Whereas Parekh would have to contend with Havilid on that right side and that's when things get a bit muddy. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. I think that like between Havilid and Parekh, I, I would uh, be surprised if Havilid were playing more NHL minutes. Even though, yes, he he's he's grown his defensive game in the last in the last year, year and a half since he was drafted. But he's still an offensive defenseman. He leans offensively, and yeah. I think that that Parekh could uh, catch up on that gap between between the two in terms of defensive ability. That said, the likelihood that Parekh gets picked like top four, top three at the draft is. Uh, rather low high, we see yeah. uh, we see small defensemen usually drop uh, 10 to 20 slots from where they should go uh at least in terms of like, like a skill evaluation rather than protection yeah. but uh i think one, one more name i, I want to add into the discussion two more names i want to add into the, the discussion one it would be kind of obvious maybe ivan demidov would make sense uh even though like like the sharks already have multiple players that play that style but if you're yeah. swinging on raw upside he would be an obvious choice and the other one if you're going for a forward rather than going for need on the on the blue line would be Caden Lindstrom who would bring something that the sharks don't have really at all in their prospect pool uh, among their forwards who plays a really heavy game quite gritty uh, very physical, but doesn't lead with that. He's very, very skilled and uh, really capable in in having like a, a gravitational pull on opponents. He loves to like force opponents to kind of like get distracted, focus on him only, and then yeah. get the puck under their sticks to an open winger uh, at, at the far at the far side of the offensive zone. Andrew Basha has basically made a career off of that in the WHL so far this season while playing Indeed. with uh, with Lindstrom and other skilled players like which ones like San Jose already has in their prospect pool, like Will Smith and Quentin Musty and Daniel Gushin and Thomas Bordolo and William Eklund, of course, would all really benefit from playing with a player like Kane, Kane Lindstrom. So there's definitely a luxury of choice here, but whether that is a good thing or uh, perhaps an Achilles heel in this draft class and drafting high remains to be seen, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see who San Jose ends up selecting because I think if we've established anything in this segment, it's that they have so, so many options. Yeah, absolutely. So many. And that's what makes this draft so interesting for San Jose. So even if you don't get the first overall pick, still a lot of really good options to help you help help build a winning team long term but that wraps things up for today's show thank you very much for tuning in if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform make sure to make us your first listen of the day for your second listen of the day make sure to check out locked on sports today they got all your news and updates about what's going on around sports make sure to tune in for our next show as we continue our coverage of uh the 2024 nhl draft we'll talk about risers and fallers and a lot more on future shows so make Make sure to tune in for that. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.